0: Today's message is entitled, Who Will I Fear? And really what we're going to do is look at a very specific kind of fear that the Proverbs talk to us about. I once saw this sign hanging on a wall. It reads, Do, the, do right and fear no man. Do right and fear no man. And when I saw it, it struck me as good, straightforward advice but it also reminded me of the fact that I've often failed to live up to this ideal. If we're honest with ourselves, perhaps all of us would have to admit that we have, in fact, at times feared people. And as a result of fearing people, we have not done what was right. God recognizes that fear. He recognizes that tendency in us. Of course he does. And and he knows how hard it is for us to fear no man. And so he gives us this wise word of instruction in Proverbs 29, 25. We learned it in sign language. We memorized the the NLT translation. I'm projecting it here for you in the ESV translation. It says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. This is part encouragement, and it's part warning too. The last time I was here with you, we considered Proverbs 3, five. Proverbs 3.5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So that proverb, it, it contrasts trusting God with trusting self. But today's proverb, it, tr- it contrasts trusting God with fearing people. Trusting God versus fearing people. And so to help us understand and apply today's proverb, we're going to ask two questions, simple questions. Why do we fear people? And how do we break free from that fear? Why do we fear people? That's the first question. In some cases, it's simple why we fear people. You might say, well, people can hurt us. People can kill. We recognize this even now as people around the world are being hurt and killed by other people. People. It's obvious why we fear people in some cases. It's obvious why victims of abuse fear their abusers. Or why you might fear an armed aggressor who threatens your life. These are reasonable fears because uh, people can present clear and, and present dangers to us. But when the Bible speaks of the fear of man, I believe it can mean even more than that that the fear of man can show up in more subtle ways. The fear of man may show up as a consuming, oppressive concern with what others can do to you. In fact, in fact, it can even be more subtle than that. It can become a fear of what people simply think of you, whether or not they approve of you. You see, the fear of man can look like a controlling worry about the opinions of others, about the posture of others towards you. Are you familiar with that kind of fear? Have you ever felt that kind of fear? It can drive you to do things that you regret. That kind of fear can can stop you from doing what you believe to be good. And that kind of fear, for many of us, it often results in shame. We, we feel awful about it when we see it in ourselves. Why? Why am I so scared of what others think? Why do I long for the smile and the approval of others so much? It can be controlling. It can feel controlling at times because it really is controlling, at least according to the Proverbs it is. According to the proverb, this fear can hold you in bondage. It lays a snare. It becomes a trap that imprisons you. So for starters, let's, let's each of us try to identify whether this might be a problem for us. An author by the name of Ed Welch wrote a, a very helpful book called When People Are Big and God is Small. And in it, he asks some diagnostic questions aimed at identifying This problem in us, and and maybe these questions will help you. Here are some of the questions he asks Do you get easily embarrassed? Do you find yourself getting angry and defensive when someone simply doesn't like you or doesn't like you as much as you wish they would? Are you overly concerned with your appearance? Are you often concerned about whether you're attractive to others? Do you crave being noticed or complimented? Do you find yourself lashing out at others who impede you from shining, who keep you from looking good? Are you afraid you might be exposed as an imposter? And so you spend time managing your reputation. Maybe, maybe you even lie or twist the truth to protect your image. Do you have trouble saying no? No. In other words, in other words, you find that you can't say no to requests because you fear the disapproval that saying no will bring upon you. Will you hold back from being honest with friends because you worry that they'll reject you if you're honest with them? Do you keep from speaking the gospel because you fear how you'll be perceived? Do any of these questions describe you at certain points in your life? And these questions are not meant to shame any of us. I, I, I trust, in fact, that if we were to be honest with one another, we'd have to say that, that many of these questions do reveal something about ourselves. And it's not meant to shame. It's meant to, to help us just, just see it's a window into certain aspects of our personality and our tendencies. Later in the same book, Ed Welch says, the fear of man is such a part of our human fabric that we should check for a pulse if someone denies it. In other words, to be human is to deal with this kind of fear. But why is this such a problem for many of us, if not all of us? Why is it such a problem? There's a scene in the Gospel of John that I believe will give us some insight. We're going to look at John 12 in a second, and at this point in John 12, Jesus has performed many miracles, or signs, as John calls them. He's even raised his friend Lazarus from the dead at this point. And so in John 12, Jesus is hes in Jerusalem now. He's been teaching crowds. He's been telling them that the, the ancient prophets uh, predicted his coming. And at this point, many people have to believe that he was, in fact, the Messiah. And many people had begun to follow him. But but religious authorities continued to criticize him and plot against him, seeking to stop him, in fact, kill him. But But here's what it says in verse 42 of John 12. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Fear of the Pharisees. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You see, some powerful people, these are people with influence, they they feared that if they admitted to believing in Jesus, they'd lose their status. They'd be talked about, they'd be criticized, even ostracized. There, There was a serious price to pay if they were to align themselves with Jesus, and they feared having to pay that price. They were afraid of the Pharisees. For some of them, we say they were really afraid of their own peers. These were highly esteemed people, and they wanted to maintain that esteem. They wanted to maintain that power. And, but the way that John describes them is so perceptive, because he says in verse 43, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God, and that 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 love for the glory that comes from man had had trapped them, trapped them in a place where they could not be honest, they could not be authentic, could not be them true their true selves or voice their true beliefs. And this this verse really gets at the bottom of it. It shows us where this kind of fear of man originates. Notice notice in this verse, there's there's a glory that comes from people. And there's a glory that comes from God. And these folks valued the former more than the latter. And that's super important. Because in in their perspective, you see, people had become very big. And the esteem of God had become very small. Now, we have to see this. We have to see this. The the desire for glory, the desire to be honored is not in itself a, a bad thing. In fact, it was wired into us by God. This desire to be honored was what? When God created the first humans, what did he say to them? He spoke well of them, didn't he? He said, they were what? Very good. Very good. You see, they were honored by God. He approved of them. He, He held them in high regard. Psalm 84 gets at this. Look what it says there. What is man that you are mindful of him? You see, we look at man and we say, we're, we're nothing, we're, we're small, we're fragile, we're weak. What is man that you're mindful of him, Lord, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet, you, Lord, have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory glory. And honor. The creator has crowned humanity with glory and honor. Humanity was created to receive glory, to receive honor. And we're wired to actually want that. Elsewhere in the Proverbs, we won't look, but elsewhere in the Proverbs, we're told that glory and honor are good things. They should we should value them. We should live in such a way that would lead to glory and honor. But the question is, who do you want glory from? Whose honor is most valuable to you? Adam and Eve, when they were made, they received honor from God. But they craved something else. And so they traded in the glory that came from God for something else. And they started to... And ever since, frankly, ever since humanity has been looking for honor and glory in in all the wrong places. Trying to get it from all the wrong sources. And that's the problem we see in John chapter 12. We, we love the glory that comes from man at times more than the glory that comes from God. And and so rather than accept and revel in and enjoy the, the honor that God has bestowed upon us, the God who made us and knows us and loves us, Instead, we seek honor from other broken people who are chasing the very same thing that we're chasing, the same kind of approval we're after. Whether it's, it's seeking in the form of, of validation from others or accept inclusion, acceptance, respect. And it's a trap, church. It's a trap. It's a con, really, because it keeps us chasing something that, that's very short-lived when we get it. And often we can't even get it. It's always just out of reach. Have you ever noticed that as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They, they hid. Have you ever noticed that? They hid themselves. Not just from God, because they were afraid of, of judgment, but they began to hide from each other. What, notice, when, when they disobeyed God, they did it boldly. But now, in the aftermath, they were so, so scared. They began to hide their true selves behind shrubbery, with leaves. They were ashamed in each other's presence, the Bible tells us. They became defensive. They began to blame one another. Isn't that what the fear of man does to us? It causes us to try to hide and protect and deflect I'm not saying that Adam and Eve's original sin was the fear of man. It wasn't. It was something else. But what I'm saying is that once sin entered the world, what did it bring with it? It brought with it this controlling insecurity and fear. It was a result of the fall. And ever since, Humanity has lived with the same insecurity and the same fear. Our desire for glory and honor and validation wired into us by God has been warped. So rather than accept the glory and the honor and the acceptance that God gives us, we want it from others. We don't care if God crowns us with honor sometimes. Instead, we say, I I want you to respect me. And we look for approval in small, sickening ways. And we hide our real selves from others. We try to hide our faults and and, and present a a fake self to the world that we hope will be honored and loved. You see the trap, don't you? You see the, the prison that this puts us in. How do we break free? That's the next question we have to ask. How do we break free? Some who have felt this, uh, have felt trapped in this kind of fear. Maybe you have felt trapped in this kind of fear at times. Maybe you've come up with different strategies. Some people to break free from this trap might say, the solution is, is to, to just stop caring about others altogether. I care too much about others' opinions. The, the, the solution is to stop caring about people. Isolate myself emotionally. And that way I'll be safe. From the opinions of others some people on the other hand might say the answer to this kind of fear of man is to replace it with self-confidence an attitude that says I accept myself I love myself and I don't care what anyone else thinks that kind of attitude and and while that that's that well, while these strategies may be effective to a point they 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 come with serious downsides and drawbacks You see, the first option, it it turns you into a cold, lonely person who disregards people because you believe they don't matter. And the second option, that that kind of self-confidence option, that strategy, it it seems a little bit healthier, but, but it depends completely on what you happen to think of yourself moment to moment. You see, when you feel good about yourself, it works. But what do you do when you disappoint yourself what do you do when you fail to live up to your own standards when you realize that you have failed you've hurt others in that moment you're either gonna have to ignore your failure or you're gonna have to rationalize and justify your failure or you're going to just live with guilt shame even self-hatred so I would say that, that, that if, if you choose any of those two options, really, you've just traded traps. You've, you've just found a new prison. But we were made for so much more, church. We were made for so much more. Proverbs 29, 25, our verse, gives us a solution, a third way, a better way. It tells us that the fear of man lays a snare, but, but here's freedom. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And that, that Hebrew word there for, for safe, it, it, it's, it's a rich word. Well, not so much. It's, it's, a, it's a graphic word. It, it literally means high up, high up, inaccessible, out of reach of the trap. A, a bird in the tree versus limping on the ground is safe from predators. And so trusting in the Lord, it, it elevates you to a place that is safe. Look, the, the only real way of escaping the trap that's set by the fear of man is to look for honor and approval that's better, that's more certain than what people can offer us. That, 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 that it's even better and more certain than the approval and the acceptance that we can offer ourselves. Because God's approval is freeing. And and It's available. In fact, it's not just available, it's guaranteed to us in Jesus Christ. In John 1 We're told that Jesus came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Gave us the right become children of God. You see, Jesus' own people did not acknowledge him or honor him or recognize his glory. This means that Jesus knew rejection. Jesus experienced disapproval from people who should have recognized his glory, who should have honored him and esteemed him highly. Approval was withheld from him. But it did not crush him, did it? Because he knew the full approval of his father. He was secure in the honor and the glory that he received from his father. And for all who receive him, who recognize Jesus as Savior and King, it says here that he has given you the right To also be God's children. This means that if you have received Him by faith, you have that same status as Son. That is the status of approved, accepted, loved, honored. Through your connection to Jesus, you get to enjoy what you were made for, what you long for. He validates you. In the words of Psalm 8, He has crowned you with honor and glory. The same God who looked at Jesus Christ and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, looks at you, his child, and says, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. That's the reality of the gospel. He honors you, he is protective of you. He values you as priceless. Who cares what others think? Who cares what others think? The more we begin to internalize that reality, the more the, the honor and acceptance of people will start to look cheap to us. The more people will begin to lose their power over us, the more God will become big and people will begin to become small. Not insignificant. People were not meant to be insignificant or... Again, it's not, the the, the answer to the fear of man is not to say, ah, people don't matter. No, 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 no. People will become small in relation to God. Their opinions will become small in relation to God. And the only way we're going to internalize that reality is by exposing ourselves again and again to the gospel. And and I don't mean just telling yourself, "I'm, I'm accepted in Christ, I'm accepted in Christ, I'm accepted in Christ. Although that's not, you, you could say worse things to yourself, actually. That, that may be a, a pretty good thing to repeat to yourself. But it's not some kind of magic pill, right? No, we, we need to actually press into the gospel to see how it speaks to our fears. Our fear of people in specific ways. For instance, in Christ, in Christ, I've been taken in as a child of God. Which means he delights in me. I, I so want to belong And with God, I belong. In Christ, God sees us as righteous, as acceptable, in right standing with him. Because 2 Corinthians 5 says that, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't have, we don't have anything to prove. Jesus fulfilled our desperate need to, to measure up. In Christ, we're not alone. He's always with us. That means that I can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can people do to me? In Christ, I now have the Spirit of God living in me. For God gave us a spirit, not a fear with power, love, and self-control. I may experience rejection and humiliation and disrespect, but I can persevere because in Christ, my future is glorious. In Christ, your future is glorious. Listen to Second Thess- Thessalonians 2. It says, to this he called you through our gospel that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel itself and the Proverbs tell us, trust God to honor you. Trust God to bestow glory on you. Everything you stand to lose from people, God guarantees you it all in the gospel. Everything that people may hold back from you, validation, inclusion, approval, whatever it is that people may hold back from you, God will give you. So so let's drink that in let's drink that in and as we do we will begin to see ourselves the way god sees us we'll begin to trust what he says about us when he says you are mine my beloved people you are loved you are valued and we'll love him more as a result we'll begin to love him more as a result the more we start to see ourselves the way he sees us. It. see it's kind of a, a cycle the the more we come to and, and here's why i'm saying we're, we'll we'll come to love him more, and why that matters it matters because if if someone you love deeply and respect whose opinion you think very highly of says something affirming and encouraging to you, it matters, doesn't it? If a stranger says something similar to you, it may not matter so much if a stranger on the street walks past you and says, Hey, you look great today. That might actually feel kind of creepy, right? Who are you? I don't care what you think about how I oh my goodness. But if someone you care deeply about says, You look great today, it bolsters you up. Why? Because their opinion of you matters, because you love them and you respect them. So the more we grow to love God, the more his opinion of us will carry infinitely more weight. Than the opinion of our peers, our family members, our colleagues, etc. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4. I'm going to show it to you. Paul here was he was being judged by the people in Corinth. They were criticizing him, doubting him. How did he respond? He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human core. In fact, I do not even judge myself. It's interesting. He doesn't say, I don't care what you think of me. He says, I do care, but only a little. (laughs) It matters, but it doesn't matter that much. It's a small thing that I should be judged by you. In fact, it's a small thing to me to be judged by anyone. In fact, he says, even my own opinion of myself is small. It doesn't matter that much. Why, Paul? He says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. In other words, I have a good conscience, but that's not what makes me feel good about myself. It is the Lord who judges me, he says the estimation of the Lord had come to mean so much to Paul that the opinions of others and even his own opinion of himself became small. And, and, and if you read that passage in the context, you'll see that, that that this freedom from fear, this freedom from the fear of man, it didn't turn Paul into, into a kind of self, self-assured, cocky jerk. What it did instead is it turned him into a man who wanted to serve God and serve people. He became a man who wanted to faithfully serve God and serve people because he was no longer auditioning. All he cared about now was being faithful. And he was free to tell people about where they could find the kind of freedom that he had found. What if this were true for us, if we were freed in such a way you see, because when we're craving the, the approval of others and chasing it, we can't really love them very well. You can't love the people that you fear, frankly. N- not fear in this way, because, because when, when, when we're craving and, and, and doing everything we can to get people's smile, their approval, we're, we're using them, aren't we? We're using them to bolster our own sense of self-worth. But trusting and fearing God, it frees us up to love people rather than fear them. You see the power in that? Because of the gospel, every conversation doesn't have to be an audition. You you have nothing to prove. You no longer have to compete with others for honor. Instead, now you can give out honor and share glory. We all want to be honored, church. We're going to keep trying to get honor from family or or colleagues or even strangers unless we believe that there's a greater honor that comes from God.